and welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we are talking about Babysitter's Club number five, Dawn and the Impossible Three. Cool. Uh, I've just realised um, I don't have the book anywhere near me, and it was <laughs> quite some time ago that I actually read it. <laughs> right. So I'm kind of scrambling to call it up on my Kindle reader. Um, cool. Be fine. Yeah, let's see if these notes make any sense at all. <laughs> I mean, I'm um, usually winging it to about that degree during these, so, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. I get this kind of, um, this feeling that I get at the start of a teaching session where I'm like, where are my lecture notes? What, where's my PowerPoint slides? Um, so, uh, I don't have any of those this week. You'll be very pleased to hear. Oh, no. No PowerPoint slides. This is the worst podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's missing something for sure. PowerPoint slides add so much to the non-visual medium of podcasts. <laughs> I'm just going to describe all my slides to you one by one, and it'll really enhance the experience that our listener have had. I think. <laughs> I think they're going to really love like the graphs and stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Those are those take slightly longer to describe. Um, well, but you, obviously, it's very just bear with know, me. Yeah, <laughs> got to describe the x and y axes and like all the read out all the units mm. around them. I have a page of a notebook with like scribbles on, so actual Ooh, paper notes. Yeah, I know. That's I realize analog. I constantly spend the sessions like trying to find where in this Kindle app because I'm not even I have a Kindle. I'm just using mm-hmm. the app on my phone. Where in this thing did I put the note about the thing that I wanted to say? And uh, that's mm-hmm. annoying. So I just wrote down things on a paper. All right. Well, let's uh, run through the plot first um, for the benefit of Karen and anyone else who hasn't read the book in the last <laughs> two weeks um Woo. so this is the first dawn book um so dawn is now like a fully fledged member of the babysitters club and we start with her babysitting the pikes and mm. then she is describing their cool farmhouse that they live in with some nice foreshadowing about secret passages and stuff like that which is totally yes. not going to come up again um never, never never so we see her like competently babysitting the pikes because don is super competent and then don's mom and marianne's dad are totes in love um Aww. which is delightful and i've just highlighted like vast swathes of the next chapter because like it's just so sweet and charming. Um, Marianne's dad has like become almost fully human uh, because he's in love now. And he's got like, he does things on the spur of the moment. He has a date with Don's mom, which he's just like arranged. He just called her up and asked her out instead of planning for like literally weeks in advance. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's totally over his dead wife now, which is, which is nice. Um <laughs> Hmm, only 11 years on, but... Yes, well, look, better late than never. And yes, Marianne and her dad have both got contact lenses because apparently that's what you do when you rediscover, like, your joie de vivre. The first thing you do is get contacts. Marianne has contacts. Yes, which makes no sense because she has reading glasses and, like, you don't get contacts for reading glasses. Also, I have, in capitals, contacts... uh, two exclamation marks two question huh. marks at 12 three question marks uh, yeah like I, i've known really young p- kids with contacts but they would have had to have glasses so large they would have made them fall over they had serious <laughs> vision issues so that's why they had contacts uh, maybe know? 
maybe they were just dishing them out in the 80s. They were like, <laughs> hey, kids, come into the optometrist and get some. They were glass ones at that time. They weren't even like the, the like pl- plastics. Yeah, no. they were like hard lenses. They were hard lenses. And oh, I say glass, oh. I have no idea what they were Look, made of. If anyone can handle all the admin and hygiene and responsibility of wearing hard contact lenses, it is Marianne Spear. That is like, that is true. Facts. I've just I've just had a flashback though to a time which I recall quite clearly when I think I was about five and I decided it would be really helpful to my mom if I washed the, her contact lens case for her. Oh no. <laughs> um when she had hard contact lenses. This may be one of the reasons why she just stopped bothering to wear her contact lenses. <laughs> altogether um and i remember thinking at the time like mm, there might be some reason to not do this but it seems like a good idea so i'm gonna go ahead and do it anyway <laughs> i was like with soap like why did i think this was a good idea nobody i never cleaned anything else until i was an <laughs> yeah. adult and had to I was like gonna say like i'm sure there were probably other things in the house that were more urgently in need of being cleaned some of which were probably your property <laughs> like you, you could have been helpful in so many other ways i i i, I can't explain five-year-old me and my decision-making practice at the time but mom if you're listening to this um i'm really sorry <laughs> i'm pretty sure i got in trouble for it at the time as well so you know don't worry <laughs> i'd imagine you did yeah <laughs> uh sorry yes digression um yeah so uh plot um so plot so yeah. yes the, the 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 parent trap romance is continuing apace um and then Dawn gets a call from a new client, which is Mrs. Barrett, who mm-hmm. um, has just gotten divorced and she needs someone to babysit her three kids. Um, so Dawn is like, ah, divorce. I know divorce. We can bond about divorce. So she is very cheerful to, to start working with this new client. Mm-hmm. Then we have a lengthy interlude when she and Jeff eat all natural meatless pizza, which is supposed to show you how weird and kooky their food habits are. Mm. And it blew my mind when I realized the pizza is not even vegan. Like it just has regular cheese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what does all natural even mean? What, what does be on a pizza that's unnatural? In the eighties, <laughs> probably fucking cocaine or something. Like, like, there yeah. were no food standards back then. Um, I mean, I think the eighteen eighties beg to disagree, but I know what you mean. Well, there were also no food standards in the eighteen eighties, but yeah, like meatless pizza is not a thing. It's it's not something you'd bother mentioning now. Like it's just, it's just pizza. Pizza. It's fine. I, I think I maybe vegetarianism was a was a bit more fringy back Clearly, then yes. than it is now um like do you know those memes that go around where they're like oh comparing 70s parenting and modern parenting where the modern mom is packing like um i don't know probably the kind of stuff dawn gets in her lunch um with notes um to the child and the 70s mom is um giving them a bologna sandwich and kicking them out the door and saying don't come back till it's dark um that <laughs> yeah. that that kind of thing. Um, yes. I, yes. I think um, I think baloney shows up in a lot of these books further down the line. <laughs> I, I think it's meant to be just like peak white people culture, basically. <laughs> yes. If it's got flavor, we're not going to have it. Um, yep. Although all of, yeah, Dawn's food choices are kind of interesting, but we can talk about that more um, yeah. down the oh, line. Yeah. I- I definitely do want to get into her like hilarious disdain for Connecticut food. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, fully on her side with this. <laughs> uh, just out of curiosity, have any of us ever actually eaten bologna? Because I have no idea what it tastes like. No, no, I don't like most kind of cured meats, so I think I'd mm. hate it. 
Um, and I'm picky, so I'm never trying it. Um, I don't know. I've never seen anywhere selling it because I don't go looking for cured meats. I, I have I, a feeling I it's one of those it's... very specific things. Yeah, I assume like... it's made of pigs, so... Karen, um, you're gonna have to eat it sometime. I yeah. I will not be doing that. <laughs> wow. Because yeah, uh, I I read Fast Food Nation a few years ago, and now whenever I'm in the states, I'm like, no, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> it I'm, just I'm pretty, makes things simpler. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can get it here. It's a type, I believe, of like Italian sausagey processed <sighs> meaty thing. I think, but I don't know for certain. Um, I don't know. We have at least one listener in the states. Um, who is coincidentally called Dawn. Shout out to Dawn. Um, you're going to have to explain um, baloney to us. Yes, please get in touch and tell us what is baloney. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you for listening. Um, so uh, the, yeah, there's, there's, there's food. There's going to be there's some food, food talk. We're going to have some, some food talk. Then Marianne says that because her dad has lost the run of himself altogether, <laughs> she is allowed to make over her room some more. She is going to have non-pink decor, uh, much to her excitement. So Dawn agrees to come over and help her out because they have a bunch of stuff that they brought from California that they don't have room for in their farmhouse. Mm. So Dawn has cool cosmopolitan posters of London at night. Mm. Um, Although Marianne wanted a poster of New York or Paris, but London is just as good. Mm. Which, yeah, okay. It's it's one of the big four, you know, London, Paris, New York, Tokyo. It depresses me on some level, this statement. Like, I wanted a second-hand poster of one city, but I guess I can take this t- second-tier city instead. <laughs> I'm just desperate to get out of Stony Brook, guys. You know, Basically, I'll take yes. Any city. Like, it's still better than Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> I'll take a poster of Cleveland at this point. <laughs> She's 12 and living in Stony Brook. This is fine. <laughs> I know, I know. She'll probably yes, take Stamford. Yeah. Mr. Spear is actually letting her put thumbtacks in the walls, so... Oh, oh I just realised. What? He's getting some. It's... Oh, it's, it's not, oh this makes sense. It's... it. it yeah. <laughs> no, I was very, you know, wholesomely interpreting this as, like, the transformative effects of romance, but actually this makes a lot more sense if he's actually getting some action for the first time in 11 years. Okay. <laughs> I'm... You know... He's he's not my actual dad or even a real person, but I I just feel vaguely uncomfortable to have learned this. Like like TMI, Esther. Karen, the last episode we had a lengthy conversation about how all the parents of Stony Brook are swingers. Yeah, but we weren't envisioning any specific parents. Oh my god! And now this is Mr. Spear. I forgot that. That must have happened pretty late in the session. Not that <laughs> yeah, late. Yeah, and we knew that Mr. Spear was never ever going to be one of the swinging parents. Like, no, not in true. a million years. <laughs> Until he was led astray by, yes. Do- by Sharon's wild Californian ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, it's done wonders for him anyway. <laughs> so. whatever, whatever it is, <laughs> yes. it's doing him good. Maybe exactly. she, among other things, she has reintroduced him to the joys of smoking pot. Also possible. That would also, I mean, yeah. I think think he would have dumped her in a heartbeat. <laughs> Just yeah. saying. I don't know. Maybe it is reminding him of his college days. We don't know what he was like in the 60s. And you know, people who are most straight-laced often are also like the first to sort of fall into the all the vices that they, you know, they they claim to be the most against. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is why, you know, 
how newspapers make money (laughs) (laughs) when when there aren't any you know world events happening (laughs) yeah any day now the stony book news is going to run an expose on mr spear having been seen rolling a joint around the back of the convenience store (laughs) (laughs) it was just a cigarette mary Alice's like daddy you smoke (laughs) um no (laughs) i was mining it for one of the other dads (laughs) actually it's weird that like this is a really early example of the no no nobody smokes thing that is now fully in place in all of our media whereas like i remember the 80s a lot of people smoked everyone was smoking but yes Mm -hmm. if no one in your house smoked you still had an ashtray for visitors yeah no one in this smokes except for bad teenage babysitters who are actually middle-aged CIA operatives. Oh, of course, yeah. Well, maybe they don't do it in front of the the babysitters because that would set a bad example for the babysitters, but also, more importantly, for the readers of these books. Very true. I think that's the idea, is that, like, this is... Obviously, it's Mm. quite sanitised. You (laughs) know, and I like that. Yes. So, next we're at school, and actually, the Shillaber twins are back. um, (laughs) Who are Christy and Marianne's awkward extra npc friends that they sometimes eat lunch with um so i just picture them now as sherry and terry from the simpsons oh. that'll do yeah fair <laughs> just fair. just full-blown cartoon people sitting there in the middle of yep. this otherwise like i said fully 3d christy's world. boyfriend is bart simpson in my head so <laughs> <laughs> they might as well eat lunch with sherry and terry and I mean, sherry and terry make a shocking like deductive leap that mm-hmm. somehow Marianne and Don and the entire Babysitter's Club have been too dim to piece together, which is that if their parents get married to each other, Marianne and Don will be stepsisters. Oh. And their minds are blown by this revelation. Let me just tell you, when I watched the Netflix show with my nine-year-old the other day, the instant it was revealed that Richard and Sharon used to go out, my nine-year-old said, oh my God, they're going to get married and then the girls are going to be stepsisters. Yeah. <laughs> so... These kids are officially less on the ball than than my nine year old. Your nine year old ex- is exceptionally mm-hmm. on the ball, though. Yes, she is. She's very, good at chipping. Um... She she. Good at <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like it. She's a generation more savvy than these kids. Um, but I think also this is partly revealed um, with maximum drama in order to prepare the ground for um, one of the big threads uh, that's going to be running through this whole novel, which is um, that Christy is extremely jealous of Dawn. Yes. Um, and her newfound friendship with uh, with Marianne, who um, I think, you know, historically speaking, we I think Christy kind of takes Marianne a bit for granted. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. this is all just, the chickens are coming home to roost for Christy. Um, and she's, <laughs> yes. she is as you would imagine, not very happy with this whole um, scenario. And uh, Dawn does some interesting um, and kind of a pretty effective sort of social management of the whole situation with Christy, um, which I'm quite impressed by. I would Dawn not have had the... Dawn is tremendously mature. Yeah, the, the nouse for this yeah, as a, as a I have kid. written down in a couple of places. Yeah, I have a couple of places written down uh, about, you know, Dawn, high whiz, uh, because <laughs> I... My only hobby now is Dungeons and Dragons because of <laughs> lockdown. Um, so, uh, because before it was that and LARP. Um, yeah, Dawn, high whiz, high charisma is what mm. I wrote down, which would be, yeah, just the, the social roles and the intuition and the ability to pull it off really well when she does attempt it. Like she's, she's actually really sensible and together. Mm. 
I'm sort of imagining that back in California, her school, like, only taught emotional intelligence skills <laughs> and all the grades were, like, emojis or something. Yes. She's, so she's, she's like, incredibly good at defusing conflict. She sunk some of her, her uh, development points into therapy, though, as well, I, I feel. I think oh, she's yeah. she's bringing oh, some yeah. of that wisdom yes. to Oh, yeah. I think <laughs> to so. To a totally therapyless think, uh, small town. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Apparently. Apparently, I think probably seen from the outside, people would assume that Marianne was the most sensible one of the group, but actually mm-hmm. it's done. It's just mm-hmm. done. <laughs> she, she does pretty well here. It's pretty impressive. But yeah. yes, Christy is in a mood. Yes. She's, she's, she's not a happy. raging bitch, uh, to be <laughs> honest with you. I don't know. I, I wouldn't have handled it any better at 12 than she is, but oh, no. that's, I mean, that's a low bar. So yes, she's she's increasingly pissed off at, at Don and Marianne being close and helping to make over the room and everything. So Don invites Christy over to hang out and they bond by doing something that Marianne is too scared to do, uh, namely swinging on a big rope in the barn, which sounds legitimately terrifying. And I think I too would have been too scared to do that Aww. because it sounds like the thing in what Katie did where she fractures her spine swinging on a rope in the barn. I would not have oh. let that stop me. I would have swung on that rope. That sounds Could kind of fun. Have stopped me doing it. I would have. I would have done it, and I would have probably rolled my eyes a lot at Marianne not doing it. Or you. I'm sorry for hypothetical twelve year old you who I didn't actually know, but I would. Me been and like... Marianne would have sat outside the barn and talked about how much we liked having functioning spines. Ugh, Esther won't jump because she, she she read a book where something bad happened when someone did this. It won't happen twice. We. <laughs> I mean that book was pretty heavily into like ensuring that girls did the correct thing because it was of that era although i i read those books to death as a as a kid as well because you know they were they were good um but also i recall as a as a um a kid who did not grow up in the kind of place where there were barns um my uh galway cousins some of them did live on farms and i we did occasionally um get access to a barn stacked with you know the big rectangular um bales of hay and i was like this is amazing i just climbing on these things is brilliant um but if had there been ropes i would definitely have swung on them i don't recall there being any ropes um but yeah i I don't know that what katie did would have occurred to me to be honest (laughs) my granddad had a barn with hay in it Mm. and you could climb up to a loft and you could jump, there was no ropes, you just jumped off the loft into the pile of hay <laughs> and it would break your for your fall and you wouldn't break your legs. Your spine. It would break your spine. That's what yes, you're gonna say. No. Spine. <laughs> no, my spine remains uninjured. Yeah, true actually. To this yeah. Day. <laughs> I'm very frightened hearing about this, even at a remove of like twenty five years. I'm still okay. kind of stressed out to hear that it happened. You would have been one of my book's friends, not one of my climbing friends, and that would have been okay. Yeah. Thank you for accepting me for who I am. A huge dork. <laughs> I don't love the notion of my own kids doing this in the fullest of time, but <laughs> they probably That's will fair. do, and worse, and they won't tell me about it. And I just hope they don't tell me about it. <laughs> There's a certain level of dangerous behavior that you're like, I know you're going to do it. I don't want to see you do it. I don't want to hear about you doing it. I know it's going to happen. Just make sure I don't have to hear about it until you're at least 25. Yeah, I'm sure the the, the old mill in swords that we used to climb around in was... I'm sure it's been knocked down by now because it's really a public health hazard. <laughs> Is that the place that had no floor? Uh, it had a floor, but there was a large hole in the floor. 
on the second story. Um, yeah. And it was, so I, I wasn't there at night. It was the other three that were there at night and realized when their fire went out that they now were upstairs in the old mill and didn't know where the hole in the floor was. And they had to get down <laughs> somehow. And they didn't have any um, kind of light source and had also been drinking. Um, so they survived and there, I think there is actually footage of this because they were filming at the time. Was this when they were making the lesbian romance movie for fourth year project? Yes. Uh, Amazing. The, I don't know Your how or... was so much more interesting than my school. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know what the teachers made of this whole video, but I think that's a, honestly a story for another day because otherwise it will just take up the entirety of the that's fair. podcast. Okay. But so, so we've got they all survived. Uh, um, that's the main thing. They got home somehow. Nobody is quite sure how. Okay, maybe we should get back to the babysitters. Okay. So, <laughs> Don turns up at the Barrett's house. Um, and the house is a mess, which I think we're meant to feel is a sign that Mrs. Barrett is a bit of a disaster. But honestly, I just found it very relatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's never really, I mean, it's no- a bit untidy. But it's never that bad, to be honest. Nothing was on fire. There exactly. was a there was a spill that was unattended to. But I think had there been like broken glass or something, I would have been like, okay, maybe that's a that's yeah. a red flag. But it was just juice, was like, you know. These things happen. Yeah. Someone's yeah. gonna get to it sooner or later. And there was like some breakfast stuff left lying around still, and I'm like, man, I don't have any children. It is two adults in this house, and we do that all the time. We <laughs> yeah. don't even have like, an excuse of having to mind three small kids. Yeah. It's breakfast stuff. It's not like it's the night before dinner lying around on the plates or whatever. Like, it's fine. Although there are TV dinner trays in the sink, um, which I guess is supposed to show us that she's a bad wife and mother who doesn't cook. You could put a really uncharitable regressive reading onto this whole plot line, to be honest. Yeah. Actually, yeah, while we're while we're at that, um, there is an un-Anna Martin-ish kind of statement that dawn makes which um, i wonder maybe we're supposed to uh be sort of aware that this is dawn's view of things because Mm. we're getting it all in her voice so um so the line that i i noted down where um dawn is talking about her own home life like her uh mom is recently divorced she's living with her mom her dad is back in california uh dawn and her brother are quite organized and the mother is not so the line that I have here is, my mom is really terrific, but her habits are what drove her and dad apart. I'm not saying the divorce was her fault. I'm just saying that she's disorganized and dad couldn't live with that. And I was like... Yeah. So that... that I is, highlighted that too. Okay, so kids maybe don't always have the, the best read on the relationship between their parents. Or maybe they do. And like, certainly Dawn's mother is kind of hilariously... But but it, like it's done, and and Mrs. Porter is pretty disorganized. Um, like she yeah. she really does lose things and kind of put them in really random places. Um, but the this is clearly Dawn blaming her mother <laughs> for the for the yes, yes like it is. Um, it's Dawn blaming her mother while knowing that she's not supposed to do that. So she says yeah. she's not, but she absolutely is. But I don't judge her for being the way she is, even though it broke up her family. <laughs> like um. The thing is, you say that's not very Anna Martin-ish. I think Anna Martin judges disorganized people and prizes organized people and people mm. who are sort of organized. Maybe, yeah. yeah she's the one who said, she said herself, Mary Anna is the, the, is the her of the group. Mm-hmm. 
I think Marianne as a character isn't maybe as judgy herself, but the no, yeah. no, but she's really organized yes, and it's yeah, presented yeah, yeah. as unequivocally as a good thing. Yeah. But yes, Donna's is judging Mrs. Barrett's housekeeping pretty hard, which actually does make more sense mm-hmm. in the context of the thing she said about her mother, but like um, Yeah. <laughs> this is why he left you, woman. It so it's also pretty good ground setting for why so um Dawn really feels like she has to help the Barrett's. Um and she does. Like she's um uh she kind of marshals the kids um into like clean clothes and stuff and she gets them um kind of playing and organizing their the house themselves and uh really like all very constructive stuff i've also highlighted the bit where she brushes all their hair with her own hairbrush <laughs> and my note just says do you want knits because that's how you get knits <laughs> yeah i'm sure they had their own brushes in the house like that's bananas i was much older than her when i babysat and unless the like it never would have occurred to me mm. to do something like that. I'd be like, I don't know, if their parents wanted their hairbrushes, their hairbrush, they would have said so or brushed it this morning before I got here. Yeah. Like I probably would have taken them out of pajamas and into daytime clothes, and that would have been it. Yeah. Yeah. That that's about yeah. If that's about all I do with my kids. Like, they can go like weeks without getting their hair brushed. They have short hair. Nobody's gonna They notice. have very short hair. It's like yeah, unless you have like matted hair or it's clearly uncomfortably tangled. Um, like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I might tidy my own child's long hair, but not somebody else's kid. Come on. <laughs> like, yeah. You're on minimum wage. Yeah, she's not being paid enough for this. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, hell no. Actually, that's one of the things that I noted then is like, you know, John's relationship where she's like the caretaker for her mother. Is like borderline a little unhealthy the way it is at home. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then her mum kind of, we see over the books, like does step up and be the parent when she has to be. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. Dawn's sort of not so much actually being the, the, the parent figure for her mother is just like, oh, I don't like mess, so I'll have to tidy this and organize it. But even so, she's to do a lot of the work that her mum should be bloody well doing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. unpacking then, boxes but, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then this just steps into, oh, you poor child, please stop levels with the mm. Barretts. Yeah, so yes. she winds up sitting for the Barretts regularly. Um, and uh, so um, after a while, it becomes kind of clear that Mrs. Barrett is... So she's... Mrs. Barrett is definitely struggling, um, just in terms of how much... I Like, I know how much work it is, like, co-parenting with two small children, let alone being a single parent of three. So um, I, like... In a lot of ways, I feel kind of like pretty sympathetic towards Miss Barrett, but um, uh, and oh my god, she's only thirty three. Like, yes, actually, she's barely an <laughs> she's adult. Really but she's so young. <laughs> um, I mean, also, we're super old that we now think thirty three is young, but like, that's quite young to be single parenting three kids while also looking for a job. And I do mm-hmm. feel very bad for her. Oh yeah, like she's taking advantage of Dawn for sure, but also. Mm-hmm. I can really see why she's convinced herself that it's okay to do this because she's kind of at the end of her rope and doesn't have a lot of other options going on. Yeah. Um, She's struggling. And uh, yeah, she's not unsympathetic at all. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So yeah, she winds up being a bit over-reliant on Dawn, basically, as the time goes on. Um, And Dawn mostly is okay with this, um, but is starting to be sort of a bit more troubled by it towards the end like she's she starts out being um with these are kind of her 
her favorite clients really and um like she yeah. gets assigned them automatically almost as the as the jobs come in um to the babysitter club that's because no one else wants to look after them because the house is always a mess oh, yeah. the kids are always neat and then mrs barrett's never back on time and all yeah this that's stuff. true yeah. yeah i mean honestly the kids aren't that impossible like, no they're not impossible the, at all the title like, really oversells how bold they are and like the other girls are all like oh my god i don't know how you can stand it like they're kind of energetic and high spirited, but they're mm-hmm. basically fine. The like, only the only thing that any of them has disciplinary issues with is like Dawn takes it on herself that she doesn't want them playing guns and stops Buddy playing something that he is normally allowed to play. Which I, as a child, if my babysitter told me I wasn't allowed to do something that my parents allowed me to do, oh yeah, <laughs> you would have rules lawyered that babysitter. <laughs> well, I I think I would have been like, my mommy lets me. And then if she, mm-hmm. I, actually what I would have done was come back to my mother and tell me she wouldn't let me do this and you always let me do it. I don't want the babysitter back and she, my mother wouldn't have hired her again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Simple as, because I, I wasn't the sort of person, child who directly confronted authority. <laughs> no. Nor am I the sort of adult who directly confronts authority. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure any of us are. Uh, no, no. Let's, let's not beat around the bush here. Um, yeah, they're, they're not the worst kids in the world. Um, but yeah, there's, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of low key stress going on in this book, actually. Um, which is, uh, um, it's, it's well done, I think. Um, the fact that you, you do, you, you really get this growing sense of this whole situation is gonna not end well. <laughs> um, and what it ends with is a child abduction, which I got to and was like, oh crap, I did not. <laughs> I did not remember this being quite so traumatic to go through when I read it as a kid. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, fine. You know, it's just a misunderstanding. I was like, oh my God, I would have had the Coast Guard out if this was me. Yeah, if I had been the parent. It's not, the not a fucking misunderstanding. Like, yeah. it's yeah. like, he knows he's not. Like, so what happens is that like, Buddy is out on the street waiting for Marianne and the girls to come out and his dad just drives by and picks him up and takes him out for the day. Um, having not cleared this with the mum or anything. I think it was his day to take the kids and he decided that Mrs. Barrett was so disorganised and didn't have them ready and didn't remember when it was his day and took them away somewhere else when it was day and stuff so often that he had gone basically, screw it, next time it's my day I'm just going to drive up there and put them in the car. Mm-hmm. Which is Which... not helpful, no. Mr. Yeah. Barrett. Hamilton, yeah. this is not okay. <laughs> yes, Hamilton Barrett. Yeah, I, I only remember believe... that because it came. I've been watching Hamilton this. Yes, week. of course. I'm not gonna lie. That's why I remember that. And she calls him Ham for short, which is like you took the worst name and you made it worse. Like, and then they amazing. also they gave it to their oldest child, I who know. is Hamilton Barrett Jr. And thankfully, they refer to him as Buddy. Um, At but least they I... realised they shouldn't do that to him. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, but like. The time for that was in the hospital when he was born. (laughs) Maybe there was a lot of, you know, drugs involved. (laughs) Yeah, so this is sort of all exacerbated by the fact that... So Dawn um, doesn't really know what the situation is with the dad and has um, not really not been informed by the mum what the whole custody arrangements are, which is another... Actually, it's a a genuine example of her being irresponsible. Um, So clearly the divorce is not going well. Yeah, she's told Dawn very vaguely, like... Don't let him talk to the kids on the phone. Don't let him come over. Yeah. Um, and he's allowed to talk to them. What is it like once every second weekend on the phone or something, which is a 
fairly shitty custody arrangement. Yeah, I like, think yeah. he gets them once every sec- every second weekend. But she also says he's only allowed to talk on the phone on alternate weeks as well. Oh, so I guess no. it's like he gets them one week and he phone calls them the other week, which Must is like... Be. This, that's kind of shit. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's quite unclear as well, like, what's going on. And I was really confused by the whole thing where um, the, the dad is calling the house um, sometimes when the mom is out and Buddy's answering the phone and whatever. And uh, it's quite um, quite alarming to think that, like, okay, yeah, he's he's calling the house when he's not supposed to be. What exactly is going on here if he's not allowed to talk to the children? Yeah. But he also gets gets custody? That um just seems very uh, sort of conflicted. And I think what must be going on is that the it's such an ugly divorce that, like, she's absolutely not letting him yeah. have anything outside of the bounds of what they've agreed. But when I was reading it, I, I was like, so. oh, my God, is there, like, a restraining order? Is this like a really bad situation what the hell is this gonna wind up being because she makes it really unclear to don like how high stakes this is like Mm -hmm. are the kids actually in danger from him or are you just annoyed at him or what is the situation exactly yeah so don never knows like how vigilant does she need to be aside from she's supposed to stonewall him on the phone and stuff like that and yes so then but he goes missing, so she calls the cops and everyone freaks the hell out because it's terrifying. Yeah. And all the neighbours. Yes. Uh, the whole neighbourhood turns out to look for him and it's very, very stressful to read about. Yeah. <laughs> and then he turns out to be fine, but we're told that most child abductions are as part of custody battles with kids being kidnapped by their own parents, which is a totally reassuring thing to read when you yourself are a child. Like, I think it actually mm-hmm. is because... You were reading as a child thinking, okay, well, so if someone was to kidnap me, it would be my mum or my dad, and I know them, and I know they'll take care of me, and it would be, wouldn't be good, but it's not a stranger who's going to murder me. I don't know. I'd be looking at my parents being like, do they seem like kidnappers? How would I know if they seemed like kidnappers? Maybe they're kidnappers. Maybe everyone's parents are kidnappers. That was less paranoid as a child. <laughs> Well, actually, so I think um, a little bit of context is probably useful here. So um, Ireland did not have divorce until mm. we were 11, I was 13, 13 so, yeah. in your case. Um, oh, it was 96 that the, re- the referendum was held. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to explain this to Esther, obviously, who has like, uh, quite unusually, uh, two divorced parents, <laughs> um, but your parents are remarried to each other sorry I'm not explaining that very well am I um but like yeah so the it it was quite unusual I think for people to be divorced and for people's parents to be divorced Mm. um I was I think reading these books I was like god everyone's parents are divorced I have to say I was gonna say there that I think I'm going for a very different perspective than Esther in that I was sitting there going I think Emma down the roads's parents might be split up because mom said something about it and then stopped talking. Uh, and uh, that was of every single mm. person I knew. I was aware that one marriage might have been split up, but it was something mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about. Right. Whereas you were aware that marriages split up. Um, yeah. Yes. You had personal experience that this was a thing, um, which probably might have made it seem a little more real to you. Esther was a protester in the, in the referendum with stickers. <laughs> Yes, I made my own stickers in the referendum and stuck them up around the neighbourhood. <laughs> well done. 
Hmm. Uh, well, we, we had quite a personal stake because my parents couldn't get married until my mom could get divorced from her first husband. So, uh, we were all extremely invested in the whole thing. But, uh, <laughs> yes, that was, that was my, my early political activism. <laughs> I was kind of smug because I noticed I'd put one in a phone box and then someone had ripped it down. And I was like, that means I must have really got to them. I'm really <laughs> like, so I'm stressing these people out. <laughs> I was very proud of that. Nice. Awesome. I antagonized some conservatives. Woo. You, yeah. God, you started young. Like, that's quite the pedigree. <laughs> um. Okay, yeah, so the, the whole um, abduction plotline actually works out okay in this instance. Um, although I, I imagine some some lawyers earned a lot of money like thrashing out the, um, the just the solution to that whole situation. And Mrs. Barrett um, sits Dawn down and she's like, yeah, we decided that we really need to um, sit down together and work out our custody arrangements because they're not really working for us. And Dawn's like, yeah, you fucking think. Um, or, no or you know, much more politely. Um but yeah, so that whole scenario gets resolved and um, Dawn actually says to Miss Barrett, I can't keep working for you under these conditions. Um, everything is just a mess. Uh, not just the house being a mess, but um, Dawn has also been doing a whole lot of um, unpaid housework. And the kids keep, that was one of the things that I think mm-hmm. tripped it over for Dawn to be like, no, this isn't okay anymore. Mm-hmm. The kids were ringing her mm. to be like, I'm scared. My teacher yelled yes. at me in school today. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about this thing that happened. And they're not going to their mother. They're just ringing her. And yeah, she's yeah, yeah. like t- yeah. 12. Yeah. Buddy asks her for help with like a family history project. And yeah. um, she's like, I'm not part of your family and I actually family. don't know. Well, I think history. actually Buddy, Buddy loses his shit because his mom like runs out the door and she hasn't helped him with it. And he's been asking her for days. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, he yeah, doesn't yeah. think Dawn can help, but like she's the only one there. But they all do keep ringing her at home because yeah. this is before our mobiles. So they keep ringing her at home. Mm hmm. Instead of asking their mum things. And yeah. Really yeah. Sad, so, actually. And she cares about them and she doesn't want them to be, um, you know, kind of turning to her as a surrogate parent when, yeah. like, yeah, she's they like, have real They're their actual mother, so yeah. uh, get on this. <laughs> Step up. <laughs> she, yeah, she's got enough sense to know a 12-year-old babysitter is not actually, like, relying on a 12-year-old babysitter as your prime source of, like, emotional development and comfort is not okay. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be good for the kids or for her. That's what I mean. She's just got a ton of cop on in terms of the emotional stuff. Yeah. I think that, like, yeah, definitely therapy and or a hippie school in California. <laughs> yes. For both. Yes. Um, but like she herself, it's, it's quite, um, it's quite an impressive thing for her to be able to say, no, I have got too emotionally entangled in this as well to a certain degree. Like, because yeah. it, it clearly is more than just I feel sorry for this family and I want to help them out it is also about her own family and she has stuff going on in her own family at the same time um yeah yeah so this um in a kind of lighter plot line there is more development between um uh, of the relationship uh, as we mentioned before between Richard Spears and uh Sharon Porter um and huh I said Doherty (laughs) sorry uh say it again loudly for the <laughs> Doherty. Very oh, good. Better. Nice clean audio. <laughs> if you're gonna say Doherty in the background like I'm the teacher or something, just you know, just say it loudly. That's fair, that's fair. I should I should heckle loud and proud. <laughs> you should do that. Um so they um so we found out in the last book, I think, that um 
Dawn's mother's parents were, they didn't approve of Richard Spears, I think because he was poor. Was that yeah, yeah. And they didn't think he was going anywhere. Um, so they, they have this barbecue because the parents are dating now and their grandparents, the disapproving grandparents are invited along. Um, and I read this scene with a load of interest actually, um, as an adult, because I think as a kid, I was like, oh, they're having a barbecue, whatever. Um, but actually, I was like, ooh, there, there's... Um... It was so juicy. As, a, yeah. as an adult, oh, yeah. it's like... Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the only way Dawn is like, I don't know what's going on. Grown-ups are weird. They're, like, wearing masks all the time. I don't know what's real. <laughs> and we're, I'm reading this at 37 going, oh... This is so fucking juicy. Mm. We would be gossiping about this for weeks in real life. So she's brought over her parents, her disapproving parents, to meet the boyfriend that they disapproved of back in the day. Um, and to give him a chance to show off his, his new lawyer credentials and, uh, like clarify to them just how successful he is now. Which is very. Yeah. <laughs> he runs his own firm now. All the great conversation. And they're like, and do you still live on, how oh, was Blast Street? And he's like, Oh, I don't no. live on that street anymore. I left there when Mar- shortly after Marianne was born. And they're like, oh, and how is name of old law firm? And he's like, oh, I left them years ago. I run my own practice now and we're very successful. And they're like, ah, you now meet the wealth barrier. Well, yeah. <laughs> Basically, like what shitheads? He doesn't say in your face, you judgy pricks, but it's very heavily implied. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And yeah, I'm basically. very here for it. And yeah. oh my God, actually, this, this actually gives me a perspective on the way he's raised Marianne. Um, because yeah. he's a guy who actually has a lot to prove. Um, and he has no yeah. idea how to go about it, but he's damned if anyone is going to judge him for his daughter. Oh God, yeah. I just realized, yeah, not only is he going, oh my God, I don't know how to raise a girl. He also mm-hmm. is like, I don't know how to raise a middle class girl, but yeah. we've got to be oh. middle class as hard as we can. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. This makes a lot of sense. I hadn't even thought of that. Marianne, yeah. it's Humpty Dumpty portraits all the way down because that's what the middle classes do. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I have a lot more sympathy for him. Makes now, a lot actually. of sense. Yeah. 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 I really love his behavior at the barbecue because like he is actually extremely restrained considering what they put him through, mm-hmm. but also like effortlessly crushes them with his success. And it's wonderful. Like it's it's the sort of thing that we all wish we could do to someone. Exactly. Like he's never actually douchey about it, but he's earned the right to be douchey if he so chose. Hello. Yeah, it's a good scene. Um yeah, it it also gives us another sort of it mirrors the whole situation with the Barretts because um Dawn's mother has planned this barbecue, which is actually, as we've discussed, a very high stakes barbecue. Oh yeah. yes. Uh, she has no idea how to actually run a barbecue because as previously noticed, they're all vegetarians. Yes. Um, and Dawn is like, oh, we actually, we can't invite these Connecticut people over and then serve them, um, tofu ginger salad. Um, and she's like, look, ma'am, I'm going to go out and buy hot dogs. I fucking want the tofu ginger salad. It sounds so good. I mean, I do too, but I'd also like a burger if I was going to a barbecue. That's I actually, I have this highlighted because I love this bit so much. They're frantically panicking and Dawn breaks it to her mother that some people don't like tofu, which her mother is genuinely surprised by because she really stayed in California too long. (laughs) And Dawn is like, 
Um, why don't we go to the grocery store and buy hamburgers and hot dogs and potato salad? And her mom was like, hot dogs? Don't you know what's in a hot dog? <laughs> yes, and I don't even want to think about it. I'd rather eat tofu any day, but we're in Connecticut. In Connecticut, people barbecue things, especially at picnics. Don't you think we should serve food our guests will like? <laughs> I suppose, said mom. Do you really think we can buy ready-made potato salad? <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, where the fuck did they live in California? I'm pretty sure they sell ready-made potato salad there too. It's just more notion-y. I have to assume they do, yes. Her mother is just some kind of, like, woman child. <laughs> she, she uh, yeah, that's the best description, actually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like, they must sell hot dogs in California. I have not been to California. But something tells me you can probably get a hot dog in California if you're really desperate. I haven't been to California... I've seen a lot of movies and I'm pretty sure hot dogs exist there. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they have meat out there. And if like... you can get hot dogs in Dublin, you can get them in California. Yes. No, you couldn't, probably couldn't get them in Dublin in 1987, but yeah. yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe. No, you'd get a super queen sausage between two slices of batch bread. <laughs> it would have oh, been God. much better. <laughs> I'm very sad now. Because That's Eva, do you know, do you know what's in a hot dog? It's much worse no, than I don't. Super I never want to know. <laughs> uh, so yes, so so Don's Don blows her mom's mind by introducing her to the concept of serving meat and buying food at the supermarket. And pre-made potato salad. Yeah. Mind blown. Also, Don is like, we'll just get your father to cook it on the barbecue. It'll be fine. So Sharon has clearly grown up with Connecticut food. And yeah. like she just she just abandoned all of that when she moved to California. <laughs> I think maybe she did a lot of mushrooms when she was out there and mm. <laughs> Oh Sharon's just adopted this California persona so wholeheartedly she's forgotten her old life. Yes. <laughs> she has in fact forgotten where she came from. She has forgotten her roots. I actually now have a question about why Sharon came back to Connecticut at all. Oh, my theory on that is that, like, her parents probably, like, gave her the house. They're super rich. That makes that sense. That actually makes sense. Yeah. That's my okay. guess. Like, <laughs> they just kind of owned it. It was in their portfolio. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think she says something about having bought it, but that, like, I was like, really? Then why would you go to Connecticut? Maybe she's really mad at her ex-husband. And just like, I want to go really far away and... Mm. I reject everything you stand for. Except I'm going to remain a hideous stereotype of California (laughs) written by a New Englander (laughs) for the rest of my life. So yes, there's a lot of product placement for barbecues and how convenient a barbecue is and how How weird. You should totally buy one on the spur of the moment and become barbecue people. (laughs) In some barbecues. Um, they had a brand name of the barbecue and I was like is this meant to spark recognition it does not it's a Weber barbecue or however you pronounce it we have a we had a Weber yeah I think I think that's actually also a style of barbecue um and it's not it's like the kind of roundy ones like the big metal ones the kind of domey ones yes with a with a dome when we got a barbecue my dad made it because he was too stingy to pay for one, mm. and we had a we had a, a, a patio at the back, so he just built with brick block, brick blocks. I don't know. I think they were huh. left over f- for building the house, or maybe he got them off someone for nothing. And he built because he was got. It's a slow bricklayer, but he's a competent bricklayer. Um, oh. and he built this 
little enclosure and then he had metal things in it you could slide the tray in and then he got a metal tray from somewhere and that you could put the charcoal in and then he like put a grill that he got off something else on top of he basically just jury rigged a whole barbecue and that was what we had for a barbecue for years that's my very dad impressive. just made it that's really cool my dad and my uncles would love your dad actually they would get on so well oh my god my uncle um does a barbecue every year um on the august bank holiday weekend and all the wades go to it and it's the wade family barbecue um and one year he rigged up a spit to do a roast to do roast lamb on but he (laughs) the way he did it was he put a drill up and he rigged the the drill piece like the the spit um through the drill so but it was spinning at a drill speed. So even at the slowest speed, the lamb is going dish, 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 round. And was there not like exactly just radiating everywhere? I don't know because none of us went that close to it. I don't know how well it rose because <laughs> it was going at a high speed. You should have used a drill to drive a thing and have different size gear so it turned the spit slower. Possibly. I don't know how that works, but I know it can be done um cams and things yeah uh so maybe he should have done cogs and he didn't um but i think it came out okay in the end but like yeah you can't really describe it as slow roasted lamb when it's going at like (laughs) it was going super fast (laughs) like 300 rpm (laughs) um but it worked so yes i think um this whole this whole thing of uh, this whole irish masculinity thing where you um you jury rig it and it's going to be fine and everyone's going to get fed and that's all you need at the end of the day. Um, I think they would all just get on really well. So, yeah. Um. <laughs> I agree. I yeah. agree. Buying a barbecue at the shops is notions and it's for yanks. That is why my dad did not do it. Yep. He, he has since succumbed and purchased one because that got really hard to clean after a decade. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he wasn't out any money on it. So yeah, great. Good good for your dad. <laughs> have we covered most of the main points now? Oh my God, we have. We've actually covered the plot. Where are we at? <laughs> okay. And we're only an hour and a quarter in. Wow. Okay. Yeah, this is um, wild. So now we've got 15 minutes to like um, ramble about random things that happened. Oh, do you know what blew my mind, right? Yeah. Yeah. Earlier, I think it speaks to the uh, Alan Martin was a kid in the 60s thing. Yes. Um, rather than what it, the reality of being a kid in the 80s. It's that I know Marianne's dad dressed her like a little girl and was like, no, we must be middle class, which everything makes sense now. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But she was wearing her first ever pair of jeans. <gasps> what sort of human doesn't own a pair of jeans? I don't think I wore jeans until I started secondary school, actually. What did you wear? Like sweatpants. <laughs> Why? Because I was a big nerd. But I wasn't cool. I just like had jeans because they were a really normal type of trouser and someone would give them to me. I just didn't me. like them. I found them uncomfortable. And then when I started secondary school, my mom was like, no, you'll get beat up if you wear those. You have to wear jeans. So she took me to buy some Levi's. I wish cool. my mom had like known what sort of things would like get me mocked by my peers but she didn't (laughs) so I was just left to make all my own mistakes and find my way out of the wilderness by myself I mean largely I was but I think she was like you're starting secondary school let's not make this worse than it has to be (laughs) (laughs) but if you knew you didn't like jeans then you had had jeans 
you you had at least been bought I suppose, a pair or I tried two. them on at least in the shop. Yeah. Okay, so it's not like that. No, everyone was like, "No, you you shall you shan't have jeans, Esther." I would have been allowed jeans if I'd been mm. willing to. Yeah, wear jeans. like it yes. was a wardrobe option for you. Yes. Yeah. But yes, Mar- Marianne has finally been permitted to wear trousers. Which is a development. The class thing added to the gender thing makes so much of that make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I really wasn't getting it, and now I get it. Yeah. Okay, so um, we uh, we got a cameo appearance from Mrs. Porter, a.k.a. Morbida Destiny, um, you know, who's always worth... Uh, yes! Uh, ...worth seeing. And I'm so happy they put her in the TV show, which is... Uh, the subject of another podcast, I'm sure. Um, but you need to watch more episodes of it. I know. Okay, yeah. I'm the one who's holding up our discussion of the TV show because I'm only three episodes deep. Um, but soon, I promise. Do, do <laughs> I've more to watch. I have the last two to watch, and um, mm-hmm. that show has single-handedly converted Esther's daughter to the Babysitters Club. <laughs> yeah. Right now, at this very moment, I guarantee she is upstairs reading it on the Kindle. Yes. <laughs> we got to keep ahead of her with the episodes. You're raising that child right. We've no chance, do we? Remembering how fast they were to read when I was a kid. We've no chance of staying ahead of her, have we? No, absolutely no chance. Probably not, though. Although, actually, I've been restraining myself from reading um, book number six for a while now. um, Because it was like, oh yeah, this was one of my favourites back in the day. Um, Yeah, so we have Mrs... It's really confusing to say Mrs. Porter. We have Morbida Destiny. I'll just give her her real name, okay? Her um, real name is Morbida Destiny, yeah. and we all know it. <laughs> Karen yeah. Brewer's spooky neighbor, who may or may not be, but actually is a witch, who comes round to the house and freaks out the babysitter um, in, in situ. Which one is it? Do you guys remember? Is it, like, it was Marianne or something? I think it's Marianne, yeah. maybe. Was it Marianne? But anyway... Um, she comes uh, She comes round and she wants, um, she's doing cooking. Oh, it's Christy. Oh, sorry, oh, it's, yeah, Christy, it's Christy, Christy. Because she was oh, asking about herbs yeah. and Christy knew about Watson's cooking habits. Yes, she wants exotic ingredients like fennel and coriander. So actually, though, I'm looking at it going, um, what's she doing? Uh, she's, I'm cooking, I need to borrow something. I don't think she's cooking. I think she's snooping. I think she came round to kind of, like peek at them and be like hey, who's this who's this new babysitter what's going on there there's a there's a wedding happening something's going on in this house um and uh she's like she, you need herbs what herbs do you need and she just comes up with something at random because fennel is a vegetable like it's not a that's a point actually no one you just can use has it fennel as a herb though. Yeah, so, like you can have the fennel leaves oh yeah or a herb but like fennel fennel yeah, seed but like, yes. no one just has some we so i have fennel seed somewhere moldering at the back of the cupboard because i used it for um a recipe Same. that i thought i was gonna make a lot more often than i did um but it's not actually Same. that common huh I said same to same. both of oh, yeah, those things. Got, I also have a bunch of fennel seed. I was going to do like tomato and fennel bread and then I was mm. like, it's not actually that nice so you can't taste the fennel and I just stopped. No, it's aniseed. It's one of many things that taste of aniseed. And like, to be honest, aniseed is a very specialist kind of thing. Oh, you're pro-aniseed. Esther, where are you on this uh, debate? Fucking hate it. When I was a child, there used to be a drink uh, marketed at like toddlers. Um <laughs> And there were two varieties. It must have been a holdover from the seventies because okay. they were real, hi- real hippie stuff. Like the the the, they were, the tins had like sort of uh, women in flowery dresses in meadows with their beautiful white clad infants, and they had little granules in them. There was a rose hip one which I didn't like very much. The mm-hmm. green one was fennel, 
and there was granules and you mix it with either hot or cold water to make a drink it was really sweet mm-hmm. and I used to just eat the granules with a teaspoon it was the <laughs> nicest I didn't know fennel was a plant I didn't know it was a vegetable I didn't know it was a herb my mother was not an adventurous cook and neither was my father so the only context I had for fennel was this drink and it was so nice they stopped making it at some stage in the 1980s and I miss huh. it to this day. I would murder for a drink of that stuff. It was so good. So it's weird. so weird that like you're such a picky eater, but apparently you'll eat fennel with a spoon. <laughs> As I once told someone who was like, "You're such a picky eater. Why are you eating tinned mackerels in tomato sauce?" <laughs> I was like, "I like the tastes. I like." Yeah, I mean, I guess, but like, yeah, I have about. 50 spices and 40 spices in the kitchen and none of them are fennel cannot fucking stand the stuff that's fair that's fair yeah it's 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 not allowed in my home that's fair so yes um tofu ginger salad uh is apparently dawn's favorite thing which actually it doesn't sound terrible um but i i do have questions about how she wound up eating yogurt with wheat germ in it um I feel like she was doing that as a power move to intimidate Christy because Christy is like freaking out about all the weird food in her house and eventually like she gives her some bread and some all natural unsweetened peanut butter and then Dawn eats some yogurt with wheat germ which sounds disgusting (laughs) and like I I, I'm quite a Dawn like eater in most respects but like that just sounds punitive and I feel like she's doing it to, to flex on Christy. I think your dad might do that to somebody that he was trying to kind of make a point to. You yes, know, he'd exactly. just be sitting there eating the yogurt with wheat germ and going, this is really terrible, but I'm going to eat it anyway. Chomping on the grittiness of it, maintaining eye contact the whole exactly. time. <laughs> I've never eaten wheat germ. My context of knowing about wheat germ is this, like, Babysitter's Club yeah. and MacGyver because in the I was super into MacGyver in the 80s as a very very small child it was my first fandom I don't know why and look we like what we like and what does he do with wheat germ he's into health food it's all Angus MacGyver eats health food this is a thing this is why Dawn's diet immediately seemed familiar to me when I started reading these several years later in the mid in the early to mid 90s um and one of the things he eats, I remember two of the things he eats. One is alfalfa, which I didn't know oh, what yeah, it was and I never heard of it. Other than then, several years later, it was the name of a character in the Little Rascals movie. <laughs> yeah. And wheat germ. And I think okay. I've looked up what wheat germ is since then, but I, I don't think I've ever seen it. I've just Googled it. I mean, it's like I'd put it in bread, but I wouldn't just eat it with a spoon. I I think it was an eighties health food that is. I, I don't so. think it's it's considered a superfood anymore. It has probably fallen out of fashion. But that whole thing of wheat germ and alfalfa, I think I heard in a bunch of American books that were written about that same time. And I wonder if it if they're just kind of riffing on MacGyver, like. Uh, or no, that I culture. think it was actually. A super, like, it would be like if you wrote it now and it would be like avocados and goji berries and, yeah. you know. It was quinoa. the quinoa of its time. Yeah, it was the quinoa of its time. It was just a fatty health food. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like after Christy has made such a big deal about wanting some, like, bland suburban food, I feel like performatively <laughs> eating wheat germ is just Dawn's way of getting back at her. They're establishing their boundaries for sure. Yeah, Dawn is cute yeah. enough to do it subtly. Yeah. 
Because she is overall trying to win Christy over. She but, is. But she's, she's also gonna eat her better at this shit than Christy. Like, by yes. far. I love that Christy describes herself as starving, but not so starving she'd eat sunflower seeds. Like... Sunflower seeds are delicious, and I don't just say that because I really liked the X-Files when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did, did they eat a lot of sunflower seeds in Mulder there? was constantly eating sunflower seeds. It was a thing. And <laughs> I, like, my, as I think I've previously indicated, my parents were, in fact, bland suburban food people. And um, <laughs> so my only access to try sunflower seeds for myself at the age of 12 uh, was in fact from my hamster's food and I did eat hamster food sunflower seeds and bite off the shell the same way Mulder did and eat the sunflower seed and I remember thinking I guess it's alright they're much nicer when you buy them from a packet and they're actually prepared for and, humans and, and everything and human food safe as opposed to hamster food safe yeah oh my god Eva. Okay, so you won't eat people food, but you'll eat fennel and hamster food. I'm going to note this down for our next dinner party. <laughs> oh my god. We'll just hang up a bird feeder for you. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather have, like, dinner, but okay. Actually, if there's vinegar in dinner, I'll eat from the bird feeder instead, thanks. Okay, I so I my previous theory was that Mrs. Porter was coming round to borrow fennel mm. and coriander uh, just to see what was going on and kind of poke her nose into things. Um, but now my theory is that she's deliberately asked for two very controversial foods, um, possibly to stir things up. <laughs> and because Christy is... Because coriander is the soap-tasting one. Yeah. yeah. So Esther has the gene, and I know this. No, actually, oh, no. it's... It's the other way around from, like, the other thing with the gene. It's if you do have the gene, it tastes good. And if you don't oh. have the gene, you can't taste the niceness and you only taste the ass that it tastes <laughs> like. I'm not a big fan of it, but it definitely doesn't taste like soap. No, it doesn't so taste I think like I have the gene. Like, it's it's fine. It's another flavour. I guess it's fine. Mrs. Porter is coming over to see what Christie's views are on two key herbs for her witch's coven. Also, it's coriander she asked for, not cilantro, which means she wants the seeds specifically because this is America. But this is the UK edition, so they might have um, changed to say coriander they did change anyway. Oh, inches to centimeters of one of mine. Yeah, interesting. We'll never uh, again. Can we get American Dawn to wait? <laughs> what exact herbs Porter wants? Please, the one person who's listened to this that we're not related to. <laughs> Uh, yeah, clarify whether it's coriander or cilantro that Mrs. Porter wants to borrow. Um, that's the, yes, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're all going to go rushing out to the bookshops or Amazon um, to check on this for us. Yeah, yes. So Karen, what was your other discussion point that you Okay, had? so this book also, as with every other uh, book so far, has babysitting tips. Um, which I noted down yes. the ones that I think we get from this, apart from the whole, just stay the heck away from any ugly custody disputes if you can, um, is uh, first of all, um, check with parents to see if okay for other kids to come around. So I don't actually remember the context for this because I noted down several weeks ago. Um, and secondly, check through the window. And it was maybe when there were... Yeah, I, the Barrett's came over when she was babysitting the Pikes. Yes, I think that's exactly what happened. Um, that was the and it was fine, yeah. but uh, the babysitter in question reminded whoever to check um, uh, if that if that's okay. I mean, I'm sure it's better than having your boyfriend come around, which is bold as established by The Simpsons. The mark of a bad girl. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that along with smoking and hanging around uh, down the mall. 
Um, and also, uh, yeah. when um, the doorbell rings, check through the window who it is before you open it. Uh, which also makes yes. sense and is something that I and- literally never, ever think to do. And um, my own kids apparently do not think to do because I've I've definitely heard them opening the door to complete strangers and then running away. I'll open upstairs and be like, oh, jeez, oh, no. guys. I assume that's just a delivery person because we're in lockdown, but I don't know. I don't know who it is you just opened the door to. I mean, in my life, I've rarely lived somewhere where I could check who it was mm. before opening the door. Yeah. Like, there isn't a window by the door. Or the windows have the, like, that pattern glass with the leaves on that was everywhere in Ireland in the 80s or like my current door has a window in it but it's all wobbly stained glass mm. so mm-hmm. you it was it, this house was built in 1992 so you can't see and there's a spy hole in the door a spy hole is such a good idea though like which is yeah. fine for me right now but when I was small I couldn't see out of fucking spy oh, hole that's a good yeah. point <laughs> maybe the letterbox if you had one at the level that you could reach you'd just be like yeah there's legs out there <laughs> there's a crotch outside again yeah exactly. that's, that's a waistband you know the other babysitting tip was find out if the kids have any food allergies oh my god mrs barrett oh forgets to tell don yeah. that the baby has a chocolate allergy and don nearly gives her a brownie and then like mallory like dives across the table and snatches it out of her hand yeah then don gives out to mallory and feels terrible because it turns out mallory was just like saving the baby's life yeah um, that's, that's really yeah in, in foreshadowing for mallory later joining the babysitter's club i think uh is, is yes, what we're seeing exactly. there being responsible yes i'm trying to remember like what did i get told when i was babysitting kids because i mean i was 16 when i started like, I definitely never got this, like, list of phone numbers thing that they're supposed to get. I didn't get a medical history. I mean, if they were allergic to something, I didn't babysit anyone at that age too young to tell me if they were allergic to something. Yeah. Like, it was... Yeah. But, like, it is definitely the parent's job to tell you that. Yeah. One of, oh, yeah. One of my kid's friends, when she... the first One of the first times she had a kid over from school, he cheerfully told me that he had a fatal peanut allergy. Hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, I I wish I'd known that. I would have, like, decontaminated the house before you came over. And then I texted his mother and she was like, no, he doesn't have any allergies. <laughs> oh, my God, Sorry. that's amazing. <laughs> I know. I love it. Little troll. I love it. He was like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely die if I have peanuts. <laughs> wow. And, like, you were, of all the parents, the most likely to go, oh, my God. <laughs> like... Yes. It was it would have been so effective on you. Um because you're so I like, concerned to not have other people's children die in your home. But also just I know. yeah. You're... I took it so seriously and I was like I was kinda miffed at his mother for not telling me. So I, I texted him like, Oh yeah, he mentioned this. Mm-hmm. And she was like, No, that's a lie. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Kids these days. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so good. I know. I like that kid. <laughs> like, I pretty much just got told when their bedtimes were, and then I, I never cleaned the house. Like, God, no. I barely cleaned my own house. If exactly. there was undone washing up, I was not doing it. It did not occur to me that that was among... I just watched videos once the kids were in bed. Doing somebody else's dishes is like, either you're getting paid for it or it is an act of love, you know, um, that you you feel they're going through a hard time you know, if you're going to do their dishes for them. 
True facts. <laughs> and True facts. you expect them to notice. Like, you're not going to do yeah. it just as part of the whole <laughs> package. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was literally a whole plot line about this in book three, where Christy was like, maybe we should all do housework. And Claudia was like, no, we're not going to do that. Fucking die. Fuck no. <laughs> I mean, I am with Claudia. Yes, yeah. I, I, I can just... 100%. I wasn't asked to do a lot of chores as a kid. And I would have been really, like, annoyed. Uh, <laughs> uh, the first actual job I had uh, was working in, in the hospital where my parents worked. Mm-hmm. Um, like, scrubbing floors and cleaning toilets and making, like, 20 beds and... Um, sweeping and mopping and play at dinner and loading the dishwasher and all mm-hmm. and I was like, oh wow, okay. So I just got a real quick crash course in how to clean everything, but I I don't like. Doing but also it. that you it's should get paid fun. for doing those things, which actually you should. I got paid really yeah. well. You were not that, doing it that, for free. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like honestly, I would recommend to any teenager stuck for a summer job look at your local psychiatric hospital. <laughs> they pay way better than a supermarket. <laughs> And you get more tea breaks. Good to know. Mm. Yeah, my parents like tried the whole paying us to do chores thing. They started with my brother mm. and they convinced him That's they would give him wrong. some money. <laughs> yeah, that was their first mistake. <laughs> they convinced oh him that they'd give him some money if he hoovered his room. So he eventually agreed to hoover his room. And then he threw the hoover down the stairs. <laughs> Because it was less work than carrying it down. And my mom was like, what the actual fuck are you doing? You'll break it. And he was like, you can't break a hoover. What are you talking about? It's a hoover. You can't break it. And then the next week, she got into Hoover's room again. And she was like, don't throw it down the stairs. And then he threw it down the stairs again. And then she was like, oh, I give up. I'm not buying a new hoover. Like, I, you are going to destroy it, so I'm just not going to make you do chores anymore. Oh, God. Which I'm not sure he even planned it that way, but it did work out to his advantage because she never asked him to hoover again. Strategic incompetence is, like, yeah. really a force to be reckoned with. It, it wasn't even that. Like, I think he really thought that he had had a brainwave and he was really smart to have had the idea of throwing it and that, like, everyone else was being sheeple for carrying it down like a sucker. (laughs) (laughs) He really thought he'd improved the process. This was always my issue with hoovering, was that you had to get the hoover out. I think Mm. when I was a kid, I wasn't asked to hoover very often, but I was frequently asked to get the hoover out so a parent could hoover. My dad, for some reason, would ask me to get the hoover out so he could hoover. So I associated, like, the real onerous part of hoovering, as far as I was concerned, was hoover management, not the actual task. <laughs> no, I totally agree. It's a pain in the ass. And I'm right. I recently bought an expensive hoover that goes on the wall and has a battery, and I hoover now. Yeah. yeah. That is... They're amazing. That is Dyson's genius. It, it's, it's it's not Dyson. It's, it's Vax. I'm not that rich, but, you know... Hey, the rabbit's shed all over the rug in the living room. <laughs> That's clean now. As opposed to, the rabbit's shed all over the rug in the living room. I'll have to get the hoover out. It'll just stay How there for a year. stuff is in front of the press under the stairs? I'll have to move all that stuff. Mm. I'll have to get the hoover out. Then I have to find a plug. Then I have to, like, move the furniture to get to the plug. Then I have to pull out the cable. Then I have to, like, uh, unplug it and move it if I need to... And then I have to wrestle the tube. And then I have to empty the fill. You still have to empty the Hoover, but that's okay. That's like the one thing. Yeah. Yeah, no. Like getting the Hoover out and putting it away are the absolute barriers to to vacuuming your house. Yeah. 
Okay, I agree with all of this. We are rapidly approaching. We are at 1 minute 42. I think we should wrap it up so that Esther doesn't have to spend too much, far too much time. Um, uh, sorry. I forgot that we were still still recording. Um, (laughs) but we should continue, like, Arguing about hubris later. About <laughs> Continue hubris. Um, okay. Yeah. Our, our, oh, we're so old. Our lessons this week are more competent babysitting pointers. Mm-hmm. Um, how to intimidate your ex-girlfriend's snobby parents. Mm-hmm. Um, Very important life skills, especially when you come from a small town. It's like step one, become a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Step two, be really successful and start your own firm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Simple. It's <laughs> totally easy. Look, it worked for him and now he's getting some and everyone's much happier as a result. <laughs> <laughs> and also we've learned that you can buy potato salad at a shop. <laughs> Lies. I don't believe it. Maybe this is just product placement for like big corporate potato salad. And Weber grills. Yes. And Weber grills. I still don't know what that they are. They are your ticket to a happy outdoor barbecue. <laughs> That's what they are. Uh, and that you should check through the window or spy hole before people are allowed into your house. Um, and also if you have, if you're going through a, a complicated divorce, please like explain how it's going to your babysitter before something that seems like an abduction occurs i think also don't rely on a 12 year old to be the emotional crutch for your family life i mean that's going a bit far Aoife. i mean <laughs> who hasn't done that oh who hasn't done yeah, that I mean, we've yeah, all been fair. there yeah. we've all relied I mean, on a random child at some point <laughs> you should cut the section I mean, out <laughs> yeah that's fair who hasn't and also the key to resolving interpersonal conflict with other tweens is jumping in hay uh, if you I don't mean... have some hay to jump in you're probably fucked <laughs> yeah seems legit also Connecticut people are really weird about food no I think the moral of the story is California people are really weird about food Connecticut people eat bland suburban normality yeah, I think we're just going to interpret this differently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> one of you likes vinegar, the other of you hates fennel. I think you should fade out on the pair of you arguing about food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go drink some vinegar now. <laughs> All right, uh, we just need a, a punchy sign-off. Wheat germ! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Wheat germ for the win. Wheat germ! <laughs> they do less um drinking and smoking than we did anti-social behavior tm that's nice but they have to contour now yes that's true (laughs) they don't have time for drinking and smoking (laughs) and teen pregnancies they've got to get their like eye flick just right (laughs) 